Hello, Alan Silbert. Welcome to Benzinga Interviews. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm happy that you're here because uh, I'm sure uh, I and our listeners, our viewers, have a lot of questions for you. I'm going to try to cover a lot of bases. Uh, but first, I want to just hear from you. Uh, how are you doing this crypto winter? How are you keeping warm this crypto winter? <laughs> I mean, I'm an old timer in crypto years. I've been around the space since about 2013. Um, so, you know, and I'm old anyway, so I was around for Lehman Brothers and, and some of the traditional world uh, debacles. So, um, yeah, these these crypto winters have a way of, of seasoning you or toughening up your stomach. So I've been through a few of them. Uh, you know, I think I probably felt worse maybe when Bitcoin was at a high of like 1100, 1200, then went back down to, I think it was sub 200 at the time. Um, and that was much earlier in the, in the evolution of the ecosystem. So I think I remember feeling at that point that crypto might be killed off for good. And um, after we survived uh, that, that kind of bear market, that crypto winter, I, I don't have that feeling anymore. I think we're, we're definitely here to stay. Um, this, this current uh, crypto winter, it, it's, yeah, it's very painful. <laughs> Things are happening that I would have really never dreamed of in the space, and um, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit painful. We'll come out the other side like we always do. Uh, well, that, know, that's interesting. Take some time and pain. It's interesting that you said you've seen worse times, and I think there's there's a bit of a tendency for folks to get sort of hyped up in the moment and nervous, and they forget where just how far they've come. Um, and like you said, you've been in this industry since 2013 when it was, I mean, it's still, uh, in its early phase, I guess. So when you were in, when it was 2013, did people look at you like you were a little nuts going into this crazy field? Yeah. I mean, I thought I was nuts. So <laughs> I, you know, it was, you know, when I first got interested in Bitcoin, I, you know, I thought it was crazy internet money and that it would be a fad and that it would pass, you know, very quickly. And uh, when I first started buying Bitcoin, I used to go to the drugstore, I used to go to CVS and you had to pick up the red MoneyGram phone and talk to an operator and say, I want to send $100. Then you had to walk to the cashier and give them cash. Um, and uh, and I think from there, the MoneyGram sent it to BitInstant, it sent it to Mt. Gox, and then I, I had them send it back to another wallet. So we, we've, we've come a long way from there. Um, yeah, it's, we're kind of far departed from the, the 1100 to 200 crash. So, um, you know, every, everything that's in the present is always more painful. Uh, right. Very difficult to see right now. Uh, a lot of people have lost uh, substantial sums of money, uh, which is uh, very upsetting to hear. And um, yeah, you know, it's we have to rebuild trust in the space and uh, and and, re and rebuild. Well, let me let me take the ball there. Uh, I know I've, I gave you a look at your Twitter, and I saw that one of your tweets, uh, I guess, in the past twenty four hours, you talked a little bit about having uh, a lot of discussions over the past week with lawyers, investment bankers, uh, distressed companies. Uh, and and you, you spoke a lot about digital securities and how they could be used in conjunction with the bankruptcy, bankruptcy process. And um, 
the FTX was certainly a, a huge bankruptcy. Uh, so two questions. One, give us a tight explanation of what it is for first-time listeners. I know most of the listeners out there know exactly what's going on, but just in case, uh, give us a tight explanation of what it is that happened to FTX and how it is that INX can help. How are they in a, a unique position here to help out? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, what happened with FTX, I mean, things have been unwinding in the space uh, since you know late last year. So uh, Bitcoin and most of the cryptocurrencies hit all-time highs late 2021. And then all, all the markets turned, the traditional markets turned, you know, equities turned, um, crypto markets turned, and we, you know, we started entering, entering a bear market territory. Um, and that, start, that started kind of the, the snowball rolling downhill of, um, of, of bets starting to unwind and, um, you know, going uh, people's bets, leverage bets going against them. And then kind of when the, uh, the stuff really hit the fan was, you know, the, the Terra Luna stable coin, it was an algorithmic stable coin uh, was created and it was supposed to always peg, be pegged one to one with the US dollar. And there were billions of dollars riding on this stable coin. Uh, it was kind of the rails that uh, that money was going back and forth on in the crypto space. Um, it was very trusted that the algorithm behind it would keep it pegged at a dollar all the time. And people also leveraged on top that they, they, they lent this stable coin, uh, leveraged it. And um, for whatever reason, there was kind of a bank run on the on the stable coin on the, on the Terra USD coin, and and it unraveled the whole uh, the whole theory there. Unraveled the coin. I think something like forty billion dollars was lost, um, and that started kind of undoing some firms in the space. Like Three Arrows Capital was one of them. Um, you know, Celsius was one of the other ones. And this probably kind of ended up leading to FTX's demise because, uh, you know, the space is all very interconnected, as we've seen. It's kind of similar to when Lehman Brothers failed and everybody kind of saw how the sausage was made. And behind the scenes, there's all these interconnected relationships and lending and exposure. Um, it's very similar. Uh, many companies in the space touched Three Arrows Capital, touched Celsius, touched FTX. They had money custody there. They were lending to them. They were borrowing from them, and um, you know, at, at high leverage, not regulated in many cases. And um, yeah, and you know, the major themes are there's tons of ungoverned leverage, a lot of greed. Um, regulators were asleep at the wheel. Uh, you you know, there it's, it's still a small. Um, you know, relatively speaking, it's a, it's a small ecosystem with interconnected players. Um, you know, there's no bailouts coming and, you know, there's no government to bail out the space and, uh, and a real lack of risk management by a lot of companies in the space. Uh, you know, having like huge bets, uh, three arrows capital or Celsius or uh, you know, leverage bets on top of it. So yeah, these are kind of like all the, all the general themes. Um, and what happened with FTX? Yeah, so did they just take? Did they just make bets even riskier? Like what was what was their deal that compared to what was going on with Terra? Yeah. So yeah, the, the fact that FT, FTX had some of the 
like worst uh, controls, business management skills, systems, anything. Uh, you know, as it's unfolding, it's an absolute mess. On top of everything else that I've mentioned, they were making bets gambling with company with uh, client funds. So they were dipping into their clients' wallets, taking their money, and then betting them on their associated trading platform, betting them somewhere else in the space, you know, and, you know, leveraged bets on top of it. So it just exacerbated things. Um, so, yeah, this, this, is, this is a giant mess. So on top of everything else, you probably have, you know, fraud, stealing client funds. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an absolute mess. Uh, you know, uh, some of the other players in the space are just unwinding because their bets went the wrong way. But FTX kind of took it to a next level. And, um, you know, the company... It's uh, it operated, uh, you know, they put themselves out there as a regulated company, but it, it's become very apparent that there were really no regulators watching them whatsoever. Um, they were operating without really any controls. They had no real board. I think that for the last several months, I think the CEO, I think Sam was the only board member. So there were no real like board controls. The financials were getting audited by some weird metaverse auditing firm. So... And, you know, to, so to go back to INX, you know, to back up to the beginning of, of, of our history, we were set up in late 2017, which was mm -hmm. at the end of kind of one of the last debacles, which was the ICO boom and bust era. And our founder, Shai Tatika, saw the, the ICOs that were just getting thrown together with like a white paper and tossed up against the wall and everybody was right. buying into them. And, you know, people lost tons of money in them. And and um and so shy wanted to build a, a, a crypto trading and a digital security platform just from the ground up that was totally regulated um i think like in contrast a lot of the trading platforms in the space have been uh formed by by techies really by by, by coders and traders um so they came with that came with certain benefits but they didn't have like a traditional uh, like regulated mindset. Um, yeah. And, you know, like my, Mount Gox was kind of the first example that just was kind of put together by coders and, and gamers and like no controls there. It was mismanaged. Um, so one of the first things we did is we, we pushed a, the first uh, digital security IPO through the Securities and Exchange Commission. It was a fully registered IPO for the general public because we, we wanted to uh, it was it was to show that we we could do it that we could we could offer uh, an investor to uh, an investment to the general public to ma and pa and give them all the protections that they should have in the crypto space. So we you know we have our fan financials audited by Ernst and Young, you know, not like a, a weird metaverse auditing firm. We uh, set up with you know an independent board of directors, majority independent board of directors. Uh, we have an incredible board of directors, really. Uh, one of the members is David Weald, who is a former vice chairman of NASDAQ. Um, we, uh, you know, we did a full-blown prospectus. So it was 250 pages of all the disclosures and the risks. Um, the, the, we, it was the INX token that we sold in this offering. The token holders would get certain benefits, like uh, they'd get a 40% cut of our net profits. They'd get uh, first liquidation rights to our insurance fund. Um, if in case of a change of control uh, or a bankruptcy, they, the insurance fund would get paid out to them. So uh, we gave them like a good mix of different benefits um, and, you know, along with it, all the trappings of, of like a real public company. Um, you know, we're, pu we're public in 
and, and the U.S. and Canada. And and so, you know, so fast forward back to the current day, um, you know, we've been through this process of registering a, a, a security token. Um, and now you have all of these companies in the space that are distressed or, or filing for bankruptcy. And in the U.S., in the bankruptcy courts, they it kind of offers you a, a fast track through the same process that we went through. Um, the bankruptcy courts will allow you to fast track uh, a security token. So, and, and a security token for and the bankruptcy process can is pretty valuable. So, instead of just saying to the creditors, "All right, we'll give you five cents in the dollar and like be on your way." Um, you know, similar to what Bitfinex did back in the day when they got hacked, is you can offer them a security token that, you know, the, the number of rights you can give, the, the, the ways you can structure it are just infinite. You know, you can say, okay, uh, token holder, you know, creditor, uh, we're going to give you this this token representing how much you lost. And for the next five years, you know, you'll uh, get paid out X percent of profits until you're made whole. Or, mm. you know, you'll get a, a coupon payment of X percent per year. You can structure it a million different ways. The bankruptcy court helps you fast track this uh, security into existence. And you, and you have all of the uh, guardrails of, of a, you know, a regulated instrument. Um, mm. So it's, um, it's, it's proving very valuable in the current environment. And yeah. uh, yes, we, we've been speaking with a lot of different um, you know, companies that are that are in distress, investment banks, uh, lawyers, and um, yeah, they're 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 very busy right now. So uh, yeah, we're, we're educating a lot of them. Indeed, uh, but I gotta ask you. There, you you said on Twitter, this is an absolute mess. This bankruptcy will take forever when they unravel this dumpster fire. I wouldn't dream of operating a startup like this, much less a multi-billion-dollar company. And before we hit record, you called INX one of the cleanest shirts out there. Are we at this voting of bad players off the island moment where should we be grateful that this FTX scenario happened? And I mean that, you know, I know a lot of people are hurt and they lost money, but uh, is is. Like you said, you've you've kind of gone through this. Do you have like a little bit of a deja vu where the this system can emerge better the way it did after the way in a larger scenario when Lehman Brothers collapsed, like you mentioned? Uh, maybe we owe a debt of gratitude to this happening so we can so the industry can get better. Yeah, you know, I I would hope so. It's uh, you know, I I, I don't want uh, overbearing regulations. I think, and I think what happened here was more um, that regulators were asleep at the wheel and just uh, weren't paying attention, really. Um, and yeah, but it's, it's regulators, regulators, regulators have been paying attention, though. I mean, they they we have senators that talk about it quite often about how this industry needs to be reined in. But then you have Sam Bankman-Fried, you know, slapped on the cover of magazines one second, and then. It feels like, you know, within one breath, he's, you know, he's got nothing. And now we're calling him his business a dumpster fire where he was pretty much glorified, you know, not that long ago. Um, so I think regulators were yeah. talking about it for a while. What would be overregulation in your point point of view? You know, it's uh, it, 
it, right now, you know, to operate in the U.S. is 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 uh, pretty onerous. Um, so it, it's already kind of a burden, <laughs> you know. So the, you know, honestly, we you know we roll up to I don't know probably a hundred different regulators, you know, between okay. our you know SEC registrations and our Finra license and money transmitter and um, you know we've been through state blue sky processes and you know talk to international regulators. So you know. I mean, it really needs to be streamlined. I mean, you need to go the other direction. So this this uh, FTX debacle is going to kind of you know set us back a few steps. Um, you know, in, in the U.S., I mean, every we need more consistency of regulation. Really, um, instead of that, you have um, uh, many different regulators that have different rules and different thoughts. Um, but here, yeah, through political influence, uh, relatives with high up friends yeah um you know sam kind of worked his way into the into the upper echelons and, and was like their favorite person in washington so mm. um so yeah but um but yeah it's you know we, we we took the slow and boring route um you know we've been kind of plodding along over the last few years accumulating licenses and right. you know to go back to what you know what i mentioned earlier about being the cleanest shirt um yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't, there's very few companies like ours in the world that have the licensing that we do that are, you know, very uh, clean above board with the kind of controls, practices, licenses that we have in place. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I speak to people now, they're kind of like surprised that a company like this actually exists. Um, even some of the, you know, quote, like regulated players in the States, uh, in the crypto space are, you know, not operating with the licenses that they should. So, um, yeah, so, so licenses became more valuable overnight. Uh, right. So, so in, in that case, I mean, do you, do you sort of consider this, is that the silver lining of this FTX fiasco? Because, you know, like we were talking about before, too many people went the, the shortcut route. You guys went the hard way and now you're seeing it pay off. Yeah, no, I mean, for, for INX, you know, absolutely. I, you know, I'm sorry it had to happen this way in the, in the space. Um, but, you know, we're happy, we're happy to step up and, and help and use our expertise. And, and, um, uh, you know, and we, and we have one of the few places, uh, probably probably the only place in the U.S. that you can trade a security token 24 seven, 365, uh, amongst the general public. So, um, you know, so for for companies in bankruptcy that want to issue a token, like a recovery token, we call it, as part of the bankruptcy, we're one of the few places that that could that could trade after the fact. Because you know, you might you could issue a recovery token, let's say to a to a creditor, and then, you know, there might be a million creditors, uh, like in FTX, just all the, all the uh, account holders. Um, you know, you can we can issue out a recovery token with certain attributes, and then we can start trading it on our our trading platform or our ATS. And maybe a creditor doesn't, they don't want to hang out for five years and, and hope for the best. They just want to get out. Well, then they can sell it mm. to a willing buyer. Um, it just kind of just, it, it gives them uh, instant liquidity to the claim if they want it. Um, you know, with yeah. no restrictions whatsoever. It, it's, it'll just be a freely trading security very soon after the, you know, they close the bankruptcy process. So, it, it, yeah, it's INX can offer a lot of different avenues now. It's, it's gotten really interesting. Ironically, the bankruptcy process is speeding through <laughs> security matters. It, it's kind of a it's a funny irony, but that's uh, 
you know, we, when we did our IPO, it took us 953 days to get from the beginning of our first uh, draft of the prospectus until the SEC right. kind of cleared us. So, um, yeah, so this, this, the bankruptcy court uh, makes it a much, much, much faster uh, process to get a security into the hands of the public. It was interesting. Uh, Senator Pat Toomey said this was, wasn't a failure of crypto, it was a failure of people. And I'd like to get your thoughts on this. Why wasn't it a failure of crypto? Um, to the average yeah, person, yeah, to absolutely. the average person, a cryptocurrency almost feels like really complicated algebra or calculus, which most people hate. Uh, and the industry hopes to catch on with the casual consumer. Uh, so why wasn't this a failure of crypto? Yeah. So uh, yeah, I actually I met Pat Toomey uh, last week at a con at the uh, Blockchain Association uh, Policy Summit in DC. Uh, which happened like immediately after FTX. So it was a very, very timely conference. And so, yeah, I heard him uh, make that speech. Um, you know, what, what happened at FTX could have happened at a, at a widget factory, right? Mm. You know, they just, uh, they just had a lot of money. You know, it, you know or, it was like, or like Enron. It was just a lot of money in their hands that they used inappropriately. Uh, you know, they operated in an unregulated jurisdiction, in an unregulated way, uh, um, and they just used greed and mismanagement to totally implode this company. Um, yeah. You know, there's nothing about crypto that made this happen, really. Um, it was more of just the unregulated nature, greed, mismanagement. Um, you know, if you take like Bitcoin is the most extreme example of like, you know, a decentralized crypto, um, you know, Bitcoin itself, there's nobody that turns the levers, really. It just operates on its own. You know, it just goes on. It's, you know, it's, it's always up. It's always generating blocks approximately every 10 minutes. You know, Bitcoin can't steal your funds, can't leverage your funds, can't mismanage you, can't, you know, <laughs> can't abscond with your money. So... Um, and, you know, I think when people say it's not the fault of crypto, you know, if in a, in a purely decentralized model, you know, these things don't happen, you know, you don't, uh, you don't have to trust anybody because things operate yeah. on their own. Um, so that's, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on that. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Enron because the, the Enron fixer, John, John J. Ray, the third, it's quite a name is, yeah. uh, is the one sort of overseeing FTX now, um, what needs to happen for for he for FTX to even come back? What what does that look like? Uh, can you is there any? Can you give us a quick curtain raiser into that bankruptcy process? Because I've covered yeah, bankruptcy exactly. for like factories and stuff and banks and, but this this is something a little bit foreign to me. Yeah, I was actually I was just listening to the bankruptcy court uh, one of the hearings before where they were actually discussing. Um, just making sure the names of the clients of FTX were redacted, uh, were hidden from any kind of uh, uh, paperwork that's floating around. Uh, I think I think it was the Celsius. I think it was in the Celsius bankruptcy where information got inadvertently, you know, pushed out. Or maybe not even inadvertently. Maybe it's just because it's part of the public bankruptcy process for that that wherever the, the jurisdiction is. But in any case, that's what they're talking about today. But yeah, they yeah they found they brought in the Enron fixer because this is going to be, you know, very very complex. Right. 
Yeah, and you know, you know, I think you, you probably saw he already characterized this as as like the you know a, a historical uh, bankruptcy. It's it's going to be a mess, and that's because you know, first of all, their FTX's org chart is you know it's it's a it's a sight to see. It's hard to like follow all the lines, so you have to kind of dig in all the all the different entities where money was moved possibly or taken from illegally. Um, who owns what, what entities have value left in them that they can, um, they can liquidate for, for the creditors. Right. Um, you know, their, the company's record keeping, you know, like I said before, or the record keeping controls, everything was like an absolute mess. So, uh, he's going to have, a, um, you know, his hands full. I'm sure there's many, many forensic accountants and everything in there. He's going to really have his hands full unwinding everything and seeing where money is, you know, it's, um, yeah, I think even I saw even today that like, uh, you know, like Sam's parents, uh, like I guess the company bought them like a place in the Bahamas or something. So they have to That's return right. the deed to this condo back to the, back to the estate. So there's just, there, there's so much crazy stuff going on. It's, it's, it's going to take a while, unfortunately. Um, you know, to, to work through the process. But, you know, again, I mean, this is another situation like a recovery token. I mean, it could work if there's, you know, I mean, I believe I just saw they have a billion dollars of cash or a billion dollars of assets there. Um, there's something there. Um, you, you know, you, you, you could form this into a, a recovery token for the, for the creditors. Um, you know, there, there is a way to do it. It's bankruptcy in the U.S. Um, as of right now. So, you know, there, there's a way to do this in the form of a recovery token. Um, it, yeah, it'll just, it'll, it'll take some time to work through for sure. We have an event coming up uh, in December, uh, December 7th, December 8th here in New York City, where I am. Uh, it's called the Future of Crypto. We have a long list of really great guests who are going to be talking about the industry. And it's the, the event is called the Future of Crypto. Uh, in your opinion, what does that future look like? What kind of a crypto startup will survive in 2023 and beyond? Well, I think I think the the foundation has been built in the space to the point of where there's there's no turning back. Like it's the crypto is absolutely here to stay. Blockchain technology is here to stay. Um, you know, if there's going to be like a cleansing, it's going to fall back to like its foundation and its anchors. Like typically the anchors have been like absolutely Bitcoin because it's like a purely decentralized crypto that's just never going to die. And also like an Ethereum, which, um, you know, which seems to um, you know, the regulators have kind of blessed is not a security, which, you know, has its own features as well. Um, and the things you can do with like an Ethereum smart contract um, are you know pretty amazing as well. Like our token runs in the Ethereum blockchain. It's an ERC fourteen oh four token. We can build things into our smart contract like a, a whitelist. So our token can't get moved anywhere unless the sender and receiver are whitelisted. It's governed by the blockchain. So a lot of these like technologies and and features are um, are you know. Uh, are um, pioneering like the next iteration of, of fintech, and they're not going anywhere. Um, yeah, you've you got to do things the right way going forward. It's uh, regulators are going to be, you know, scrutinizing everybody under the sun that mentions crypto in their business plan. So you know, you got, yeah, you have to 
um, you know, do things right from the get-go. Well, why um, aren't companies doing it right from the get-go? What, what, why expensive. not? It's expensive. Yeah, expensive. Not as, expensive it's, um, as expensive as buying a house in the Bahamas? No, not as expensive. <laughs> but I, I, you um, know, I just... It's it's just it's just the harder you know people take the easier route. This is what they, right. they want the easier the easier route, and that's that's why that's why they that's why they do it. And we just we we were just very very patient and deliberate, and you know it's uh, a part of uh, you know the fabric of of our company is just you know we want we want to be we want to be in the regulated space, and uh, you know so we did everything the right way. So you you have you mentioned before regulators are going to be scrutinizing the space even more now. Say, for example, you have five minutes to chat with Senator Elizabeth Warren, someone who's been pretty vocal about it. What do you say to her? Yeah, so, yeah, she's a funny one to choose because yeah, she's not she's not uh, particularly friendly to the space. Um, this administration uh, has been kind of difficult in general, and that things really really haven't moved along. Along, it's um. You know the the politicians they they have their constituents. Uh, I think Elizabeth Warren has a couple of kind of traditional world, uh, like money transmitter or, or payment companies that are that are her donors. But um, so you know she's not necessarily like the person to go and talk. <laughs> we you know we we try in the space, but a lot of it's just about education. You just. You, know, you, have to, you just you constantly have to educate them and reassure them, and, and the, the the reassurance parts was going to take a couple steps back, and and, and like the trust. There's been um, you know a lot of uh, uh, goodwill done by um, companies in the space to educate and to kind of get us to where we are today. So we're going to take a couple steps back. We have to all kind of regroup, you know, and just uh, go back, try to work together to have sane regulation that uh, you know protects. Uh, uh, clients, but doesn't make it totally onerous to operate in the space. Um, you know, I, I consider the U.S. to be on, on the more more onerous side, just because of all the different regulators <laughs> and everything. Um, and um, you know, we try we try to push them to regulate it like the internet. You know, um, right? You know, the the internet was kind of given uh, you know free reign to kind of innovate in, in a certain way. But um, yeah, since since there's there's money involved here, this gets more complicated. Right. Well, the industry does sort of feel like it's being given to us like bad tasting medicine at this point. Um, so what needs to happen for it to be sort of in this sweet spot where more retailers adopted uh, cryptocurrency as a, as a form of payment? What needs to happen for it to go mainstream? Because like you said, you've been in this industry for 10 years now. It doesn't seem like it's mainstream. A lot of articles seem to come out where it says, oh, it's mainstream. It doesn't feel that way. Uh, especially if you look here in New York uh, and when you go shopping online, it doesn't feel like cryptocurrency has really hit a stride. And this year it has definitely not helped out. Yeah. I mean, like I can't, I can't emphasize enough like how far it's come because I mean, it, it's a dramatic, dramatic improvement from when I started in this space, but yeah, there's still, there's still a long way to go. Um, you know the the ability to use like uh, like bitcoins easily. You know we're we're, we're getting there, um, but you know it's 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 all the boundaries have to all, the the UI UX has to be very very easy for people to be able to use it like they use Venmo or anything else. So we're we're getting there, 
Um, it's a problem in the U.S. that there's no like de minimis uh, tax exemption for mm. sending Bitcoin. So, you know, right now, if you buy a cup of coffee with Bitcoin that you have a capital gain on, it's technically taxed. You know, things like sensible things like that have to get through the government and have to be passed into law. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's got to, uh, you know, when I first got into the space, uh you know, what got me uh, kind of enamored with it was that it's like democratized money. You know, you don't have to uh, trust your government. You know, the U.S. government just, you know, prints trillions of dollars every month. It's, it's kind of gotten out of hand. Um, you know, you, you can have your own money. You know, billions of people in the world are unbanked or unbankable just because the, um, the, the banking regime uh, will only bank certain, certain people with a certain, uh, that meet a certain set of rules. So, you know, you probably have a few billion people that are just unbanked or unbankable. So, you know, it's only fair that you have like some democratized money and that people can, I don't know, send back to their family in Africa or South America, um, you know, just with their phone for a few dollars instead of going to Western Union and getting gouged for like 10 or 20 percent or something. Um, so and that's kind of the core of the whole space. It's not going away is this kind of democratized money and um and and trustlessness that we're, we're trying to build into the these kind of uh, protocols um yeah it'll, it, it's definitely it's going to take some time you know like right now if you send money back you know let's say you want to send money back to your family in africa um you know and, and billions of dollars flow back to people's home countries every year you know it's a yeah. major uh, uh money flow um you know right now if you send money back to your family in africa okay so now now you send them bitcoins you know, you send them, so now what do they do? You know, they have to be able to, you know, put it into the local currency or they have to be able to use it for goods and services. You know, these kind of things just take a long time to to uh, to develop and, you know, to for the ecosystem to develop. And, mm. um, you know, it takes a lot longer than 10 years. So, you know, we're, we're, we've come very, very far, but, um, you know, it's going to take some more time. Last question. Like I said, we have an event coming up on December 7th, December 8th. I hope to see you there. Uh, and a lot of people come to you for answers. You're clearly an expert in the space. You know so much about it. And you have that old world expertise um, in a pre-cryptocurrency world. Uh, what questions do you have? Like everybody comes to you with questions. But is there, are there any questions that you have? What piques your curiosity? Uh, what, what would you like to see answered? What, what, what would you like to see people discuss at an event like ours and, and in other corners of the cryptocurrency space? Well, I think uh, we need to put all of our brains together about what the you know the best way is to move forward in a in a regulated way while not squelching innovation or or uh, you know um, slowing down the space. And there's ways to do it. So I think um, you know it's uh, when I talk to people, I just try to you know pick their brains for what, how they think this is best accomplished. Um, um, you know, do we need to? consolidate things under one regulator? Do we need to, uh, I don't know, have state authorities all form a coalition together and have a more efficient uh, path to licensing? Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of my kind of inquiries go to just, you know, because the space is, it's, it's gonna, everything's gonna be, gonna be under a regulatory umbrella. So it's, it's everything that I'm curious about it is, you know, how can we push things forward in a regulated way, in an efficient way, and so that we can bring this technology to the world and, and keep progressing it? 
and kind of keep keep these these bad actors out. Keeping bad actors out. Well, it sounds like INX is a is a good actor, so I appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure for me too. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now, and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today.